Well, praise God. God bless you. Good morning. Thank you so much, team, for everything you've done there. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to go ahead and stand with me this morning as we go right into the Scriptures today. The reading of God's Word is such a sacred thing, and as we get together and pray, we want to give reverence and respect to the Word of the Lord. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a verse of Scripture. I want you to read it with me, and then I'm going to make a comment on each passage, each little phrase, so that we can get right into the message. I want to talk to you today about how God's kingdom is revealed in us. From Psalms 1, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked. Read you read that with me? Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked. In other words, they don't take counsel from people who don't love God or serve God. Or stand in the way that sinners take. Let's read that together. Or stand in the way that sinners take. In other words, this woman does, she guards her heart, she, she forms her inner circle well, she wants to live a godly life. Or sit in the company of mockers. Would you read that with me? Or sit in the company of mockers. And I think you'd agree we live in a world filled with mockery today from our political leaders to people in business. It's just like we live in a world where everybody is criticizing and mocking. Sometimes I remind folks, and, and I'm as bad as anyone else, especially when I don't like a piece of legislation or I don't like the direction. The Bible says that God gives us leaders after our own hearts. He raises up leaders and he takes them down. So in countries where there's a brutal dictator, there's a reason that that brutal dictator has been able to rise to power. In countries where God's law is ignored and people become hostile about it, it's possibly because the people of God have become very calloused or lackadaisical about how they treat the word of the Lord. But this person, the Bible goes on to say, their delight is in the law of the Lord. Would you read that with me? But whose delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, God's Word is important to them. They know that the blessings of God flow through the study of His Word, through the knowledge and the application of His Word. And who meditates on His law day and night. Let's say that together. And meditate on His law day and night. Sometimes people ask me, say, Pastor, what is meditation? The best way I know to illustrate it is before I married Becky, I would lay in my bed in my dorm at Southeastern University and I would just dream about what married life was going to be like with Becky. I would talk to my roommate, Paul, and I'd, we'd talk about because he was engaged to one of Becky's friends, and we would talk about marriage. And when I'd go to sleep, I'd have these wonderful dreams about Becky. That's meditating, where you think about and dream and, and you contemplate. And I have to say, I've never been disappointed in my meditation. I hope my wife hears that. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Read that with me. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. In other words, they don't yield it early. Yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. How many of you would like to prosper? Can you wave your hand at me? Sure. We would have, I've seen poverty and I've seen prosperity. I choose prosperity. Okay? This person is someone that meditates on God's law. They're fruitful. They're productive. In other words, this person enjoys productivity and fruitfulness. I think 
if peach trees had feelings, they would be happy when they've got a load of peaches on their limbs. I think if apple trees had feelings, they would be happy when they've got a, I think those 50 leaves that made each apple would be going, we did our job well. I think they'd be going, this is what we were made to do. And people who love God, they're like that. Will not sow the wicked, they are like the chaff that the wind blows away, and therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that as far back as I can remember, I believe I was about six years old, Lord, when I memorized this psalm and began to meditate on it. I thank you, God, that this has been a love of my heart. I thank you that this psalm has been like the pole star, the north star in my heart. God, it has been a guiding light for me of how to live, how to think, and Lord, how to address life. And I pray that today as we talk about how you manifest your kingdom in us, that we will indeed be kingdom-oriented people, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said... Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Jesus had an interesting statement that he made in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, and verse 33. Jesus said these words, and you can read them with me out loud if you'd like. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. What a powerful, what a dramatic statement. Seek you first the kingdom of God. When I was a youth pastor, we used to sing that song. When I was in Bible college, we sang that song together as a chorus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. I remember sitting in one of my theology classes, and our professor looked at us and said, Students, take Jesus' words literally. If you will seek God's kingdom first, if you will make his kingdom your priority, if you'll make his kingdom your prayer, if you'll make his kingdom your glory, if you will seek the kingdom, everything else God is going to provide for you in your life. And I have found that in 66 years of living to be so very, very true that God has provided everything Everything needed for life and godliness. Sometimes people ask me, well, what is the kingdom? Matthew uses the word kingdom of heaven. The others use kingdom of God. It's the same thing. The kingdom is a sphere of authority. It's the realm where God reigns. He rules and reigns in our hearts. All the universe belongs to him, but right now this, this world system is in rebellion to God, but God is still in control. And the best way I know how to illustrate this is when I check into a hotel room for the night that I pay for that hotel room, that hotel room is under my authority. I go in, I hang my clothes in the closet, I go to the bathroom and I lay out my shaving needs, I lay out my deodorant, I lay out my toothbrush and my toothpaste, and it's all in order just the way I want it. It's under my authority. In my car, my car is a sphere of my authority, and woe be done to you if you go in and start changing the radio stations in my car or change the presets in my car because that's my car. I, that's my sphere of authority. Now, when I go home, that's Becky's sphere of authority. I, whatever she wants, that's what we do in the house. It's the kingdom. It's the sphere of authority. And you go, well, what's it like in the kingdom of heaven? Well, in the kingdom of heaven, we 
we don't lie to each other. In the kingdom of heaven, we don't cheat each other. In the kingdom of heaven, we don't gossip about each other, but our names are safe in one another's mouth. In the kingdom of heaven, we honor one another. We don't use people, but we honor people. In the kingdom of heaven, we love each other. We don't hate or spite. It's a place of joy. It's a place of truth. It's a place of mercy. It's a place of grace. It's a place where the king of heaven reigns. And I am so thankful that for over 20 years, we've experienced the joy and the peace of the Lord here at Woodland Church. Henry Cloud has a little saying that I'd like you to write down just in the side of your outline somewhere. Cloud says, transformation requires grace plus truth plus time. Transformation requires grace plus truth plus time. I've recommended many of Dr. Cloud's books to you, and this little statement that he makes is a powerful and influential statement. To change or to have life transformation means we need the grace of God. God gives us what we don't deserve. When we sing about the kingdom this morning, when we sing about what Christ did for us, God gave us in Christ what you and I did not deserve. We get the truth of God. We're people who love the book. That's why we study the Bible and apply the Bible. But it also means that we need time for the Word of God to work in our lives. Growth is a process of maturity. You're not going to be where somebody that's been living for the Lord 25 years, you're not going to be in that place when you first cross the line and give your life to Jesus. There's no need in expecting to be in that place in one year when someone has been a passionate follower of Jesus. My problem with people is when they've lived for the Lord 20 years and they're still acting like a one-year-old in the Lord. They're still acting immature. They're still not growing in grace. So how does this happen in our lives? Well, number one, we learn to trust the wisdom of God. We learn to trust the wisdom of God. And that word learn means that it takes time for us to know that God's way is the best way, that God always honors his word. Aaron Rodgers, the former the coach, the uh, quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers says, I love being coached. I love learning. I love talking football with smart coaches. I love the input, and I love the dialogue and the conversation about football. His, his coach, Mike McCarthy, says Aaron loves to be coached, and he loves to be coached hard because he loves the game. And in the church, we, we preach the Word of God, not just to make us feel good, but we, we try to coach through the Word of God and discipline through the Word of God. We try to grow in the Word of God because we love living for Christ, and we want that whatever we set our hands to do to prosper for the glory of God. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. In other words, don't depend on your own wisdom. Don't depend on your hunches. Don't depend on your feelings. When I was a youth pastor, there was a song that was very, very popular. And one of the phrases in the song says, how can it be wrong when it feels so right? And I remember talking to our students, and I was saying to them, that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. There's been a lot of things that felt right in the moment that was the wrong thing to do. And there's been a lot of times that maybe you've made a decision that you felt real good about that decision, but then that car became so hard to pay for. That credit card bill became so hard to pay off. Or that relationship that you entered into because it felt right. You knew that according to God's principles, it was 
wasn't right, but you went ahead and entered into it anyway because it felt right. As Christians, we trust in God's wisdom, not in our feelings and not in our hunches. The Bible says, seek his will in all you do. We seek his will with our time. We seek his will with our talent. We seek his will with our treasure. And we seek his will with our testimony of the story of our lives. We want God's will in everything we do. And how do we know that? God will show us the path to take. How does he do that? Through the study and the application of the Bible, through daily prayer and daily study as we study the word together. And then... He goes on to say, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Don't be, have you ever just felt like, you know what, I'm pretty smart. I have felt that way. I'm going to be first one. I have looked at my wife sometime and says, you know, I, I know this is wrong, but I feel pretty doggone good about this decision right now. I'm, I'm a pretty smart guy. And she goes, be careful. Pride goes before the fall. I think we're all tempted like that, and that's why it's left in the word of the Lord for us. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Becky and I are driving home yesterday from a, a graduation party here at the church, and, and there was this beautiful car in front of us, and I was like, look at the curves of that car. Look at the lines of that car. That is such a nice car. And Becky says, look at the license plate. And I looked at the license plate, and it said, arrogant. That's what the Bible is saying, is don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Don't be arrogant. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I want to submit to you, family, that if we will follow him and trust him, God will lead us in every step of the path. Look at Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20 with me. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. That's what meditation does for you, where you think about the word. You, you just kind of just meditate. You chew on it. You apply it to a, how does this word, Lord, how does this promise apply to my life? How does this command apply to my life? What does it mean? I spent about 30 minutes on the phone yesterday with someone and they just, they finally said, Pastor, would you help me deal with some anger issues that I'm facing? And as I talked and prayed with them, and as I've been praying for them and just thinking, how can I help them with this? The Bible says, recognizes that we get angry. The Bible even says that we should be angry about certain things, but we don't sin in that. And the way we overcome feelings of anger, where we react rather than respond, where react is where when somebody hits us, we hit them back. Rather than respond, how should I handle this? It takes time to meditate upon the word and to think about the word. How do we do that? We listen and we pray. We listen to God through the Bible. We listen to the word of God. We repeat it to ourselves. And then we pray the word of the Lord back to him. I would take this psalm, Psalm chapter 1, and I would just pray it back to the Lord. The second thing we do is we wait upon God for strength. We wait for God to renew us. There are some of you in this room. There are some of you listening online. You and I both know there have been times in our life we wouldn't have got through that hour if it hadn't have been for the strength of the Lord. 
We wouldn't have got through that trial if it hadn't have been for the strength of the Lord. We wouldn't have got through that desperate time. I remember during the recession in 2006 and 2008, I, we lived from week to week and day to day. We watched people lose their jobs. We lost people, lose their houses. We, we, we did everything we could. There was more time spent on my face, but I learned more about God's power and God's strength during that time. And there were times when I would come home and I would say to Becky, I am so tired. My emotions are frazzled right now because of everything we're going through. The church, we were families. We had 12 families move at one time to one part of the nation because their jobs were transferring them out of here. But I remember during that time, the board and I praying together, and the pastors and I praying together, and the church praying together as we met together. We had to wait upon God for his strength. Maybe you've been through a battle with illness. Maybe you've been through a protracted battle with cancer or disease or some sort of infection. Maybe you've been through a protracted battle of depression over the loss of a, of a child or a spouse or a mother or father. Maybe you've gone through the pain of divorce and you know what I'm talking about right now. There are some things you cannot get through without the strength of God. The Bible says those who wait upon the Lord get fresh strength. They spread their wings and they soar like eagles and they run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. In other words, they wait upon God. They serve God. That's what that word wait means. They serve God. They just stay steady in what God has called them to do. During that time, somebody came to me and said, Pastor, thank you for staying steady. Pastor, thank you for keeping a level head. Pastor, thank you for not freaking out. They use that word, for not freaking out during this time. I want you to know it's not because I had incredible interior reserves. It's because I have an incredible Lord that I have an incredible confidence in, and I made up my mind that each and every day I'm going to walk in the strength and the power of the Lord's. And so some of you need to get up tomorrow morning and you need to say, I'm going to walk in the strength of the Lord. I'm going to walk in the power of the Lord. I'm going to walk in the wisdom of his might. The only way you get through it is through God's strength. Let me tell you a funny little story. When I was 16 years old, I wanted a job. I, I, I wanted to earn some spending money and and I, nobody would hire me in my community because they knew about my health problems and all the things that I'd been through. And I talked to a man that we knew. I went down to his store, and, and uh, he looked at me, and he said, Denny, can you work without getting tired? My 16-year-old wisdom, I said, yes, sir, I can work all day long without getting tired. And he started laughing. He says, fella, nobody can work without getting tired. And he encouraged me, but he said, I don't have a job. So I, I, I did what any aggressive, ambitious young man like myself was. With my parents' permission, I drove over 20 miles to, out to another community where nobody knew me. Nobody knew about my health problems. And I got a job, and I learned everything I could in the Piggly Wiggly. I learned about meat market. I learned about the produce market. I learned about stocking. I learned about how to run a cash register. I learned about how to count money and to tally up the deposits. And pretty soon, I was being used all over that store. God bless Piggly Wiggly, because Piggly Wiggly believed in me when nobody else would believe in me. And, and as I worked in that store, they, they 
gave me opportunities and I never lacked for a job when I came home for college. But the Lord was my strength. It wasn't that I didn't ever get tired, but I didn't miss work. I, I was always there and I always got promoted and used in other places because I worked in the strength that God gives you. You say, Pastor, how do I get that strength? Spend time daily with him in the word. Worship him. Sing to him. Look at me for just a moment. I didn't tell the first service this, so this is just for you. Somebody needs to know this. You don't get to know God better by reading more about him. You get to know God better by worshiping him, praising him, spending time in prayer with the word of the Lord. I love books, and they're my friends, and I love to read. But the most important time of my life is when I spend my daily personal time not praying for the church, not praying for the community, not praying for missionaries, but coming along before the Lord and praying and singing to him. And can I tell you something? You may not like my singing, but God happens to like the way I sing. <laughs> he loves the way I sing to him and I worship him. Hudson Taylor said as an old man, he's one of my missionary heroes. He lived much longer than his contemporaries did as he was serving in China. But as an old man, he wrote to a friend of his, I've become so old, and I'm so weak, and I'm so tired. He said, I'm so weak, I can't study anymore. I'm so weak, I can't even see to read my Bible anymore. I can no longer work in the ministry. I can only lie still in the arms of God like a child in trust. I don't know of any better place to be. And when I become an old man, I want it to be said of me, I lay still in the arms of God like a child in trust. I can't call names while we're online, but one of you in here, your son sent me a picture of your granddaughter last night laying in their lap and just relaxed in their little chubby feet crossed over their ankles like this. And I laughed so much because I knew this illustration. I said, there's that child laying in the arms of a mother and father in trust. You can trust the Lord. Amen? The third thing is I, I got to understand God's timing. We're talking about how the kingdom is manifested in our life. I got to understand timing. Now, Pastor Corey, you're a great athlete. You're a good athlete, and you understand the importance of timing when it comes to sports. You understand the importance of timing when it comes to, to football or baseball. Benjamin was talking to me yesterday about baseball and cricket and the importance of timing in those two sports. If you are a person who's given to humor, you know the importance of timing when it comes to telling a joke and how to tell that joke or maybe when not to tell that joke. If you're a teenager, you know the importance of timing when it comes to asking your dad, can I, use, can I borrow the car? Can I have 25 bucks? You know, when I was a kid, we asked for a quarter. Today, they asked for $25, you know? So we, we, we understand the timing but you're going to have to learn to understand the timing of God. Look at this verse of Scripture. Don't overlook the obvious, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years. A thousand years is a day. And God isn't late with his promises as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end, because he doesn't want anyone lost He's giving everyone space and time to change. 
I heard a funny little story about this verse of scripture that a man came to God and says, God, says, with you, a, a day is, 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 is just like a, a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. He says, God, I need you to do this right now in my life. He says, when can I have it? He says, give me just a second. Give me just a second. Well, how long is a second before God? Here's what I've learned. Look at me right here in the eye. Here's what I've learned. When you're serving God, you're going to have to spend a lot of time waiting. I know that's going to be disappointing because we like everything fast. We like our fast food. We go through the McDonald's and we grab the bag and we eat it on the road while we're driving just under 75 so the police don't pull us. You know, we, we like our fast food. We like our fast cars. We want the preacher. Yesterday, somebody emailed me and they says, listen, I've got something I want to watch on television tomorrow. I need you to be a little shorter in your message tomorrow. I just sent them back a message just for that. Exclamation point, exclamation point. You know, we like everything fast. But with God, God is never, ever in a hurry. Sports, timing, humor, you've got to learn to trust God. When I go to the doctor, the doctor says, I need you to be here at 3 o'clock. At 4.30, they go, Mr. Clanton, you can come on back now. Have you ever been to the emergency room? And you're sick, you're dying, you're trying not to throw up, and you get there and you wait two hours in the emergency room. Do they act like they care at that desk? No. You learn how to wait. And it's the same with God. It's that we have to learn how to wait because God is interested in changing you transforming you. Life is about transformation. Transformation takes grace. Transformation takes truth. And transformation takes time. Remember, I quoted Dr. Henry Cloud to you. Here's the deal. John Maxwell says, when it comes to change, there are three seasons of timing. People can change when they hurt enough that they have to. When they learn enough that they want to. And they receive enough that they're able to. And in our congregation and in our community, I know because I hear these stories every day, there's some of you, you're hurting. And the only way you're going to stop hurting is by change. And the only way you're going to know how to change is to learn from the Word of God and apply it. But the only way you're going to be able to change is by trusting in God's strength and receiving all God that has for you. You can change. But let me be very honest with you. Change, life, though it involves change, if you're not changing, you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not changing, you're ossifying. If you're not changing, you're petrifying. Maybe your heart's grown hard and you go, I don't feel the Lord the way I used to, or I don't, I don't sense God the way. Maybe it's because you're not changing and growing in the Lord. In my marriage, I can testify, I love Becky much more now than ever before. I know we're changing. I look in the mirror and I'm changing. She's changed less. She stays beautiful all the time. But I, I look in the mirror. She's playing my hair the other day. She's going, oh, it's getting so gray. That was so uplifting. 
We're changing. Change always involves loss. Change always involves loss. Nobody wants to lose, but Jesus says, unless you're willing to lose my life for your sake, you'll never gain it. Becky and her planting, she's got 17 different kinds of vegetables growing. What goes in the ground looks so very different coming up out of the ground. But the final fruit is so much better than that little seed that she put in the ground. Paul says that's the way it's going to be with our resurrection bodies. We are planted in the ground. We are buried in the ground. But when the resurrection takes place, we will be raised again to new life with transformed bodies. Hallelujah! When I think about Jesus eating and when I think about Jesus' ministry after his resurrection, I get to looking so forward to heaven. I look forward to the new heaven and the new earth. But loss involves death of one kind or another. And that's the thing we really, really have to deal with. I want you, if you will, to look at this verse of scripture with me. Our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. Our lives are at constant risk. You wait upon God during the times of change. You wait upon God during the times of loss. You receive his strength so you can wait, and you don't rush into a marriage. You don't rush into the business decision. You don't rush into something that you're going to regret later. Anytime I have rushed because of anger, or I've rushed because of impatience, or I've rushed because of any other vice, anytime I've rushed, I've lived to regret it. But when you wait upon the Lord, you receive his strength. And I know it's not pleasant to wait, But Becky and I can testify, we waited 10 years for our first son. We waited 10 years. God woke her up one night, and she said, Dennis, we got to get up. We got to pray. God's trying to get a baby to us in a few days. We got to call. Long story short, we had our first son, and it wasn't but just a few months later, we got another call. It says, there's another baby. You know, do you want to adopt this baby? You know, sometimes God just pours that you wait, and you wait, and wait, and then God pours the blessings. When that second blessing came, I realized I had to build a business in order to pay for these two boys in our house and everything we had. And I was like, okay, God, you can stop the blessings now. Sometimes God just pours it on so much. And you go, yes, it pays to wait upon God. Somebody say amen this morning. It pays to wait upon the Lord. I am the Lord, and when the time comes, I will quickly do all of this. And boy, did he ever. I will quickly do all this. And then You want to learn how to live under God's protection. You want to learn how to live under God's protection. And that Piggly Wiggly, it wasn't long before my faith came in conflict with some of the people in that store. And I mean, I am forever grateful to Piggly Wiggly, my two bosses. But I went through a really difficult time because of my faith. Suddenly, being mocked, suddenly things were being said, things were being written on walls, on bathroom walls that I can't even repeat, and all because I was a Christian. One night, I walked out of the store, and there were standing on top of the store a bunch of guys who began throwing eggs and rotted vegetables at me, and they were pounding my car with it, and, you know, I... Just jeering at me, turned the other cheek, Christian, did all this kind of stuff. And I got into my car and I drove home. I mean, I was 
crying. I was angry. I was mad. I drove straight to the backyard. I washed my car because I didn't want my folks to know, and they knew. Dad encouraged me, stand strong, stand strong. But it wasn't long because of standing strong, I began to lead some of those guys who were the worst at persecuting, lead them to Christ. And one by one, they began to come to Jesus. And one by one, they became my friends. You see, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You're going to have to learn to live under God's protection because if you're always trying to defend yourself, God's going to let you defend yourself. If you lash out at your enemies, you're not going to reach them for Christ. Today, people can write things about you on the internet, and it's there forever. Somebody can Google it and look it up. I don't live trying to please everybody. I don't leave, live, I only live to try and please one person, and that's pleasing God. If I can please God, even God says he will make even my enemies be at peace with me. And so it's very important that we learn how to live under God's protection and trust him. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through fires of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And some of those guys that persecuted me, they not only went on to become Christians, some of them became pastors. Some of them became uh, servants in their church and were serving in ministry. And the devil wanted me to react rather than respond. The devil wanted me to trust in my ability to protect myself. You have to learn to trust God. He's going to take good care of you. Somebody say amen this morning. He is going to take good care of you. And then finally this morning, and honey, if you'll come on up, we, we've got to learn to depend upon God's provision. We've got to learn to trust God. And I'm not just talking about trusting Him with our finances, but trusting Him with our marriages, trusting Him with our families, trusting Him with our neighborhoods. I, I pull up my community every once in a while on, on Google Maps, and I just zoom right in on every house and and I just say, Lord, show me how I should pray for these people when I do my prayer walks. Show me how I should pray for my neighbors. Lord, make me sensitive to when's the right time to be able to talk to somebody rather than just saying, good morning, hey, how are you? It's good to see you, the yard's looking great. And all those things are true, I mean them. But Lord, make me sensitive. So not long ago, I was, one of my neighbors it was in his garage. You know how Michiganders, we live in our garages in the summertime, right? <laughs> there he was out in his garage, and I'm on my way for an appointment. I just pull in, go in the garage. We chat for a moment. He's got tears. It was the time. It was the time. God provided the opportunity. Do you know how good that feels? Because there have been so many times I wanted to rush it. You are salt and you are light. Salt penetrates. Light penetrates darkness. You trust that God's working in you. 
Learn to trust him financially because you'll have to learn to trust his provision when you tithe, you give to missions. Learn to trust him. God is going to bless you. Never one time in the 22 years that I've been your pastor have I ever stood up here and tried to cajole you. Never one time have I stood up here and tried to manipulate this church in giving. But I have taught you, you must be faithful and put God first. Don't sin against God by not tithing. Don't sin against God by not being generous. Learn to be a person that put God, puts God first. Learn to be a person that put God first and trusts his provision with your time. God wired you and shaped you for ministry. You need some place where you're doing more than just earning a living and playing golf or, you know, going to movies. But where are you serving in our community? Where are you serving in the church? What are you doing for God that nobody's paying you for? You got to learn to trust God with your story. Sometimes I tell you stories personally that are very, very painful. Going back and reliving those first days at Piggly Wiggly when the word got out that I was a Christian brought up a lot of bad memories. But it brought up a lot of good memories. When I think about Benny, when I think about Josh, when I think about Gene who came in one day said, I was on my way to commit suicide last night. I'd just given up on life. He said, I'd been drinking. He said, when I got to Central City Park and I pulled out the gun, he said, suddenly your face just, it's like you appeared right in front of me. And you were telling me again, God loved me. And he was one of the knuckleheads on top of the building, laughing and throwing those rotted vegetables and eggs and stuff. That's how the kingdom is manifested in us. You learn to trust him. You learn to trust him. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Look at that past tense. Have been given us. God has blessed you. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. I want to pray through this message with you. So I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes and just let me kind of walk you back through it in prayer. And would you just make a commitment in prayer right now that, God, I'm going to trust your wisdom. God, I'm asking you to help me to apply myself to the study of the word. Then would you pray right now? Say, Lord, help me to understand your timing. Not to rush. Not to react, but learn how to respond 
according to the promises made in the scripture. Hallelujah. Then learn how to live under his protection. Just say, Lord, I know you're going to protect me. I don't have to defend myself. It may involve some change, but I don't have to defend myself. And then say right now, God, I'm waiting upon you for strength. I need strength this morning. Maybe you're like Hudson Taylor, you're tired. You're weak. Maybe you're caring for a loved one and it just takes more out of you. One man told me, he says, I can't help it. He says, sometimes I get so tired and caring. I snap and I say things I shouldn't say. Pastor, pray for me. I'm praying for you. But God will help you learn to sing to him, learn to wait upon him. Learn how to trust God's provision in your life. He's going to provide all your needs. And then learn to trust his timing as well. There's a time for everything. You won't regret it if you wait on God. Don't trust your feelings. Don't trust your gut. But trust God's timing in your life. I'm so glad I waited on God for Becky. I'm so glad we waited on God for our four children. He'll do it quickly when it's time. Hear me. He will do it quickly when it's time. Now, friend, if you're watching this message right now online and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're going, I need this, I, I want this, that's the Holy Spirit drawing you. Would you take that first step towards God right now and just pray simply like this, say, Lord, I'm making the first step towards you. You said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I believe that. I accept that. And I ask you to come into my life and make me a brand new person. And God, help me to grow and learn how to trust your wisdom, not my wisdom. Help me to learn how to trust and lean in your strength. Help me to learn how to live under your protection and not be trying to defend myself. Father, help me to trust in your provision for my life. And Lord, help me to wait on your timing. For I know that today is the time to give my life to you. In Jesus' name. And if you did that, God has given you a brand new, fresh start in your life. And I'm going to ask Pastor Corey, one of our pastors here at the church, he's going to come and 
tell you about a gift we'd like to give you and help you get started with your walk in Christ. It won't cost you anything. You can be seated this morning. And let Corey tell you how to get started in your new walk with Jesus Christ. I love you. God bless you so much. Doors and stop by one of our tables. We have a little book for you that we'd love to give you. It'll help you in your next steps, help you understand a little bit more about what you prayed. And if you are watching online right now, we have this book that we'd love to send you as well. If you will just email us, at info at woodland.church. Email us and let us know that you prayed that prayer. We'd love to send it out to you and get it into your hands so that you can grow in your next steps as well. Also, don't forget to give this morning. Mentioned several different ways to give today, but as you're leaving, the usher will be back there with a basket. Place your offering in there along with your communication cards. Want to make sure you turn those in as well. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.